Welcome to How We Grow, an essential playbook to grow and scale your vacation rental business with advice and insights from the best in the biz with your host, Linnell Gordon. Welcome to How We Grow, the vacation rental show. And today I am really excited because we have someone that I've been waiting to talk to for a while and I've had to reschedule, I think, three times. Alex Zimianic, is that right? Yeah, nailed it. I tell you, it's wonderful to have you. We've been off and on. And I just want to remind everybody that this is not a podcast where like I'm asking very difficult questions. This is a podcast created to help other property managers to grow. And the people that come on my podcast have come because they actually care about the industry and they care about helping people. So Alex, thank you for taking the time to come. I want you to tell us a little bit about your background because it's kind of unique. Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you, Flanell. Thanks for that intro. And I appreciate you having me on the show. I had a couple of road trips recently, so I got to listen to a lot of the episodes and I've already pulled so much information just pulling from others. And you're so right with what you just said that it really is a passion. You know, when you go through any of these struggles, you're struggling your way through it or you're calling on somebody else that is years ahead of you and their mistakes and struggles. So it's an honor to be here. So thank you. My name is Alex Imianic. I'm the founder and CEO of the Jay-Z brand, which now is basically two entities. Jay-Z Properties was my first parent construction company development, did a lot more on the rehabbing side. And Jay-Z Vacation Rentals is now the management marketing entity where I spend the bulk of my time and Jay-Z Properties has become more of a holdings company. And so just to rewind a little bit and go back to how long I've been in the industry, I've been in the short-term rental industry for about a decade coming up on, which is still kind of crazy to think, and real estate investing as a whole for about 15 years. And going back to when I first moved off to go to college and had all of these ambitions to go to school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I think I wanted to just get a business degree, a very universal way to look at it and got out there, got in trouble right away. And this is kind of part of how I came up with the Jay-Z and where that came from. Got out there at 18, got in trouble, called my mom, of course, first. Good for you. Yeah. Well, I was trying. She was ready to throw me a life vest, handed the phone to my dad. My dad taught me one of the most important lessons because he got on the phone and I told him what had happened, that I was in trouble. I was going to need some legal support. I got some tickets, got arrested, got in trouble. He looked at me and he's like, that sucks, son. What are you going to do? <laughs> and I, I learned very early on that I thought I was ready to take it on and kind of dove in head first and had to basically go through a lot of valleys very early. And fast forward a little bit, a couple more years, my dad passed away. He had a sudden heart attack. When I was at age 20, he was 52. So he had a sudden heart attack. And I heard that my dad had a passion for real estate. And he had designed our lake house, which we'll be going to tomorrow with the kids. It's excited to Lake of the Ozarks. He had designed that. He had started to kind of dabble in real estate a little bit. And a friend of mine told me about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I jumped on that, read that book. I was not much of a reader and I read it so fast in a few days. And that had immediately hit me and struck me with what I knew I wanted to do. Because it was teaching me very early on that money is meant to work for you and got me into buying and holding. And so my first property I ever purchased was in 2008 right at the crash. It dipped right before I was able to buy it and then kept it moving, got a two family, ended up getting news of my son who's eight, coming up on nine, so about nine years ago. 
I was introduced to what then I called the Airbnb model. Now we try to call it the short-term rental industry, but I got introduced to it then and tried it out because I had an extra set of furniture. And we went from one to two to three, and I tried to look for outsourcing it. I still had a corporate job at AT AT&T then. We ended up buying and owning and rehabbing and furnishing and testing essentially the first eight. And then we went and listed our services. And so 2008 was basically when I started the investing journey. And then 2017 is when we launched Jay-Z Vacation Rentals, the entity that now we have about 60 properties in total that we manage 100% of. And then we have another 450 and growing on our site. That is properties we share with other owners that we just market like an OTA. So we've been on this journey of really growing a brand. Wow, that's a touching story. You're getting into this and you're doing something because you're following your father's passion and what he had. Thanks for sharing that. That's really vulnerable. I know a lot of people out there doing property management have inherited from their families and they may not have the same passion. You really did get into this at the very beginning. And I can't believe you got in at 2008. I mean, I know what happened in 2008. I'm like, wow, that was big to be able to really grow from there. So my question to you is, for people out there who are starting with their one, two, three, four, five, six, what advice do you have for people that are in that position as far as how to grow? Great question. In the very beginning, you really don't know which direction to go. Because back then, when I started nine years ago, you listed on Airbnb. That's what most people knew. I think there was 500 rentals here in St. Louis, maybe even less than that. Now there's almost 3,300, 3,400. And that number is climbing quite quickly. And so the saturation was very low. The demand was still growing. The demand was lower too, but the saturation was very low. So the need to be on multiple channel distribution wasn't as important very early on. Now, I think it definitely is. And so it really depends when you're starting and what your goals are. For me, as a consumer, I'll just tell a very quick story that will help me illustrate the point here is that what made me kind of get into the direction of going towards a brand is I remember searching in Marco Island, which is a beautiful place to go. And it's a destination place to go. And it was so difficult to narrow down a really just good quality place. Most people just leaned on the fact that I saw then, that may not always be the case now, but most of the people in those destinations or hosts or owners or investors wouldn't really put the extra quality touch or design into the place. And when you're looking for a hotel, it's different. Most of the time, if you pick whatever brand of choice that is, that could be a Marriott, that could be a Hilton, that could be the Four Seasons, and you go stay in another city or even in another country, you know what to get, you know what to expect. And in this industry, it's not always that way. There's a lot of phenomenal companies that are doing it that way, but unfortunately, there's a lot that aren't. And so my advice is what I wanted to do and create is to have something that is consistent because it creates the residual and you get to own the land that you're going to build on. And whenever you build your business model, where you're looking at all these different travel agents, I know I was scratching my head on which ones to be on. I think I started on Airbnb and then figured out how to do an iCal connection and combine Verbo and Airbnb. And we're looking at all the softwares and it makes your head spin. I mean, there is a lot to look at. I know Simon was recently on your podcast and he has a massive photo of the tech stack, which is great. And so that can be overwhelming. So my first advice is reach out to somebody in the industry, do these podcasts. I listen to them constantly. It doesn't matter how long I've been doing it. You're always going to learn something new. And what advice is today is going to change tomorrow or in a year from now because technology. But you do got to get familiar with what's out there 
It doesn't matter if you have one, two, or three. You want to start getting prepared for those and really lock down what is that strategy that you're trying to do? Are you growing a brand? Or are you trying to grow more of a co-hosting platform that allows the travel agents to generate a lot of that in for you? Okay. So that's very interesting. So you've divided that into two different pieces, brand of your own, or if you're doing co-hosting. So you see that as two separate paths that people can go down. Are they mutually exclusive? I think they don't have to be. That's a way that I've kind of defined it to help our owners coming on understand, our team understand. And really what co-hosting for me typically means that, let's say you have an Airbnb profile, if you have four, if you're starting out, you have four, you have 400. You either have Linnell's photo with great reviews behind Linnell and Alex's photo with maybe poor reviews or good reviews, whatever that is. And we don't affect one another and we also don't help one another. And so that's typically what you see a lot of the times is a lot of different profiles, which makes it easier to scale. It does make it easier to grow because it's in an account where you're co-hosting. And a lot of professional management companies still do it to this day. And so, yeah, we basically just looked at it as we want one brand, one logo, one place where guests can come for all the things and what's nice about that, what happens over time, because there's many times where I doubted that when you're not <laughs> growing fast enough or when you need revenue and you have to turn people down and it's very difficult to hang in the saddle for that, but it absolutely pays off over time because even your guests become owners, your owner become guests. We have tenants become guests, guests become long-term tenants and all the way around. And it makes it a beautiful kind of ecosystem that feeds each other. So hang in there and get your own brand. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, for real. I don't disagree. I think that's great advice. And yes, a lot of companies do both, but normally the emphasis is on one or the other. And there are still areas of the US that aren't dependent on OTAs. I know they're few and far between, but there are. Yes. I remember the first time I met Alex with Casago and even just traveling to different conferences and meeting some of these larger brands that have done a phenomenal job still being able to maintain that brand and consistency. That was very inspiring to me because I've heard a lot of others in our industry talk about 90, 95% direct branding distribution. And when you really stop and think about that, you're not going to get there overnight. It's going to be a very, very slow build. But if you're growing in that direction, just imagine how much effort that goes into 10 to 15 years. All of that can be stripped away overnight if you don't own the land, meaning the brand and the site and the e-commerce and the domain and URL and all the things that you've been feeding to be able to drive people to one place. So how important is it, even if you're not starting out, guys, even if you have 400 properties and you're using some of the OTAs, how important is it that you get the guest information when they come to stay? And do you have any tricks of the trade to get that information where the OTAs might not want to share? Yes, that has always been a challenge. And to answer the first one, it is very important because you're either going to start in the beginning or you're going to start 10 years later because you keep hunting or kicking the can down the road and wanting to get to it. But you have to start from day one trying to capture as many of that information. If you don't have software, there's lots of manual ways to do it. You can ask questions and you can gather that information on your own. I would say that nowadays, one of the technologies for us, we use StayFi. StayFi has been a great system because then everybody, just like a Starbucks, when you walk into Starbucks or a hotel and you go in and you need Wi-Fi, you have to type in your information and then you're connecting and now you're on a retargeting list for that hotel. 
Starbucks or whoever that is. Plus, what a lot of people don't know is it's not just that you're capturing those emails. You're also putting a Facebook pixel, which is a tracker, or you're putting some kind of tracking device for those people that are coming in and using your Wi-Fi. So now you're already on their social media. You're hitting them in so many different ways. And the point is that it helps you with the brand awareness and it helps you to retain the people that love your brand. It makes it very easy for them to find you later. When you put a lot of work, I mean, I know it doesn't matter if it's a co-hosting model or a branding model. It is a lot of work for somebody to start it out. And whichever you feel is best for you is what you should do in whatever direction that is. If it's going to be a direction of branding, it's going to be a little bit slower and it's going to be a lot more of a long-term play to get that residual. You're going after residual there. For me, it's kind of similar to another analogy in real estate is when I would buy homes and fix them up and sell them or buy homes, fix them up and keep them. When you keep them, you have three income streams continuing to roll in. When you sell them, you liquidate, give Uncle Sam a nice chunk and that money's gone. And that's very much like a travel agent booking. You get it, it's nice, it's gone. If they came through Airbnb, Airbnb blocks the email through what's called a relay. They just basically put an email in there so you can't capture that email. They're trying to prevent you from booking that guest. They want the guest to come back to Airbnb's platform. The problem with that, when they jump back on Airbnb, is they have to go find you. And when I started, there's four or 500 rentals. Now there's 3,400 rentals in St. Louis City. That's a lot of growth. And so for them to come back in 400, it might be easier to find you. 3,400, it might be more difficult. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Built by property managers for property managers. Streamline is a powerful software that gives managers enterprise-level capabilities to drive more revenue and improve operational efficiency. Migrating to Streamline allows property managers to gain functionality while reducing the need for multiple vendors, improving flow by logging into a single system and reducing redundant technology costs. With Streamline, property managers achieve revenue lifts by leveraging our fully-fledged communication center, reservations quoting system, revenue management tools, homeowner acquisition CRM, and powerful direct OTA connections. Streamline also has industry-leading trust accounting and report capabilities to give you clarity in an overall company performance. Learn more about Streamline Vacation Rental Software at StreamlineVRS.com. I think that's interesting because I spent this whole morning training a marketing team on how to remarket to guests who haven't booked already. So I think that that information, I agree, is really important that we capture as much of it as we can. So let me ask you this. I want to get your favorite story about a guest or an owner, either one that you want. I'll start with a guest. Actually, this would probably be one of our first ones. So dating back, this would have been around like 2016. We had a guest that this time I was still almost every single role. And I had just hired my first employee, which was a housekeeper. Then now my head of housekeeping, Kim Conway. She's amazing. But Kim and I still laugh about this story today. It's funny now. It wasn't funny then. We had a guest that reached out, messaged in. I think it was through one of the travel agent sites. I believe it was Airbnb. And the guest had been at the house and arrived at a home that we have here in University City. The guest was checked in, already in the home, but they went to go get groceries. Husband's inside. Kids are inside. Wife walks back out to the car. The one that messaged me, she's just going back to get the rest of her groceries and gets held up at gunpoint. (gasps) Yes. And has, I think, two or three 
gentlemen that one of them ran up, put a gun right to her head, and she just starts screaming and screaming for her husband to come outside. At this time, I'm new. I don't know much. I'm still learning. I'm fumbling through. I'm still learning today and fumbling through a lot of stuff. But then there was a lot of guests that were always trying to get out of their reservations. And I think I had like five of those in a row. So I was at first questioning the authenticity of the message because it's like, hold on, you had a gun pointed to your head and you screamed for your husband and it just wasn't added up. And I immediately call her, of course, and try to see what's going on on the phone. And my heart just stopped when you get a message like that. So I'm talking to her. I can hear the police in the background. I ended up talking to the police. So it was clearly a legitimate story. And at this point, I'm like, crap, like what is going on? And I got Kim involved in the guest was fine. We actually got her out of that house, paid for a hotel room, relocated somewhere else. And then the next day, they actually came back to me. And apparently, one thing I found out in that story, the husband came outside when she screamed, mm-hmm. tackled one of the guys and ran the other ones off. So that was the other part of the story where I'm like, go husband, go. Yeah. I mean, it, this is amazing, but it just <laughs> yeah. sound like this is something that would happen, you know? Wow. And Tim, the next day, goes over there. She meets them both. She calls me immediately. She was very skeptical as well. And then she meets him and calls me back and she goes, oh my God, Alex, this guy looks exactly like John Cena. I don't know if you know who that is, the professional WWE wrestler. We're both like, okay, that makes sense. So that was our John Cena story of just a bad situation that it ended up being okay. Nobody got hurt. They got arrested. Everything was fine. Not long after that, I sold that property. That was the second property I ever purchased. We always wanted to make sure that we had the right property in the right area. If it wasn't safe, we didn't want it. So that's my guest story. The owner story, you know, we're all fighting legislation issues everywhere. That's a big problem. It's always going to be something we cannot snooze to the side. I was heavily involved in that before COVID a lot. In about 2000, I would say this about 2018, 19, I had an owner that wanted to go in that same city I was just speaking of. And back then, the municipalities didn't know how to slice it yet. The city would approve it. The state approved it. They're okay with it. Missouri is okay with short-term rentals, but they're still trying to figure out all the details of it. University City is a city that was just very strict on it. And I used to just give the owners that decision, empower them with that decision and tell them that, look, we're here to support you, but here's something you need to consider. And the owner made the decision to still furnish the home, wanted to give it a try. I think he spent about 20, 25 grand getting it all ready. We had bookings just coming in left and right. We were super excited about this home large home in a good city, great area. And it maybe lasted about 15 days. And he had a letter. I had been renting there for that previous example. I just gave you the home that I sold because of that unsafe incident. I had that home for four years and never once got any kind of threatening letter from the city. So we weren't expecting that 15 days in. And then, I mean, threats of $10,000 fines, jail time, all of the things. So of course, my is going to be very, very anxious in that moment. And my team, we rallied just very quickly. We unfurnished his entire home in a matter of a few days, brought it all back to our corporate office. We did not know that later when COVID happened, we were going to have to do that at a lot of different properties. So this was kind of the first situation where we had to rush into a bind, help an owner out. And it just kind of shows the character. I'm very lucky to have such an incredible team that from day one, my core leaders were like, my first core employees that 
are now leading different departments, wearing multiple hats, but all still here. And they all just wear their heart and sleeve. And so when stuff like that happens to our owners, you have all these things in your legal agreement and stuff that you can always go back on, but you just do the right thing. And that was one that we just did the right thing for this owner. We even helped him sell his furniture. He was able to sell his house, get out of the situation and everything was fine. Later on, we ended up having a lot of those situations with COVID because you had to kind of quickly convert travel rentals into longer term rentals. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your staff and keeping your staff for that length of time. That says a lot about how you're running your business. It absolutely does. Now, there's something very unique about your business model. I want you to tell me why it's so important that you own your own land. You mentioned that at the very beginning, and I don't think I caught exactly what you were saying. Would you explain to everyone what you mean by owning your own land? Yeah. So when you think about when you're starting out, like you're trying to figure out, okay, do I create a site or do I just take a free version of the site? doesn't really have much booking engine capability, give it to the travel agents. When you're starting, you're not going to see an instant ROI. You're not going to see bookings flying off the shelf in the very beginning. So it can be very discouraging. It's very tough to know what to do and where to spend your marketing dollars and money and where to invest your time. Most people can go and start a co-hosting model where you have properties, you recruit property owners, you put them on the travel agents, travel agents generate you bookings, everything looks great. The problem is what happens over time. When I use the analogy of owning your own land, it's for me because I'm an investor and started out building and renovating and a lot more in the construction. It's kind of like building a home. That could be your website. That could be the management company that you've created that you're giving to the travel agents. The travel agents would be the land and your company essentially is that land. So if you're giving all of your distribution, you're giving all of the bookings, everything that you're going after and spending all of your marketing dollars and trying to build a business that is reliant on OTAs to bring you that revenue, then what happens when those OTAs don't? What happens when you hit COVID or what happens when hopefully we don't have another pandemic? But if anything were to happen, then you want to be able to have something to fall back on. So we're at about 35% distribution comes from just Jay-Z alone, our efforts, our site, whatever that is, whatever we did to go generate that lead. And I look at that like my goal is eventually to get to a platform of 90, 95%. What inspired me was a company, I don't know if you remember luxuryretreats.com. Yeah. Heard of them. And then there's a lot of other ones, One Fine Stay, and there's some day one. And luxuryretreats.com inspired me very early on because I found them and saw that they were a platform, a site, and a brand that was independent of the travel agents. And Airbnb saw that as competition. So they bought them for 300 million, somewhere around that range. They acquired them. And then that created the filter Airbnb Lux. I think Airbnb learned very early on that there is a need for that luxury. And it doesn't always have to be the uber luxury, but that consistency. So creating consistency creates residual. And creating residual means that you're creating a much more sustainable business over time. It's just hard. It's difficult. So if anybody's struggling with that, just know like it's hard. It was hard for me years in. I mean, I was dead set on branding and having this very consistent inspection that we now call our guest standards. It's a 150-point inspection that every home has to adhere to or we won't take it or we won't keep it. And it's very difficult because you have to turn people down. So owning your land means that you have a brand, you have a website, your own URL, your own domain, and a place that you're creating your own independent booking engine. So you have it and you can continuously grow it over time. 
I heard a horror story this past weekend. I was with a bunch of property managers at a meeting and one of them told a story about a company. Now, this has been probably six, seven years ago. They had been hosting with a company who bought the domain, would not give them the domain, would not give them their website after they finished. And it was like, I mean, it was holding hostage. There used to be some of that. I hope that we don't see that in the industry any longer. I want to ask you something about sizing and we're talking about scaling. So normally I see when people get somewhere between 40 and 50 properties that they are directly responsible for booking, there comes a scalability issue there. And you really have to make sure you have technology and software. What property management software are you using? We use Streamline. Third one we've had and we love it. It saved my business, to be quite honestly, because there was a point where we weren't able to afford it when we were much smaller when the pandemic happened and we had a second chance. So we went out of business for almost 24 hours. Part of my pandemic comeback story that I now attribute to my team and God and my faith. And we rebounded is the end of that story. And we're still here, thank God. But what I learned very quickly is whenever a tornado just knocks that house completely down, we were kind of standing at ground zero, looking at all of the pieces. And I realized I built not on a foundation. So it ended up being a silver lining because I got to rip the Band-Aid off on so many different things and we rebuilt it and we rebuilt it to be way more scalable in a sense of now we have multiple different revenue streams. We have co-working, we have office rentals, we have long-term rentals, mid-term rentals, short-term rentals, and we had none of that before 2020 except short-term rentals. And so it's important to be able to really look at how sustainable do you want it to be? Everybody's got a different goal too. So what really matters is what your goal is. Because some people, their goal is to just grow it and sell it. And that is easier to do on a co-hosting platform with less strict rules for onboarding. You can grow a lot faster. You can get a lot more revenue that way. And yes, in those instances, that may be the best way. So it just really depends. If you're building to sell, that's great. But in the end, if you don't decide to sell and you want to keep it, you really benefit from having the direct portion, the branding that you're talking about as well. So if you could go back 15 years and offer yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Stay humble. Make sure that you reach out sooner, get more resources surrounded in your tribe and your network. You know, I'm self-funded now and I have been since day one. And I used to kind of boast about that many years ago. And it was an immature thing to do, but it's not always the best thing. The most important thing you can do is bring in your core team, make sure that you have a plan for the vision that you're wanting to go to. And when things start to go well, don't get comfortable. <laughs> and when they don't, make sure that you look up and look around and make sure that you don't quit because there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be something. And so if I'm going back to my younger self, I almost had too much ambition. We had Jay-Z real estate development, Jay-Z properties, Jay-Z vacation reels, Jay-Z, way too many Jay-Zs. <laughs> really kind of slow that down and focus on what was most important and start with, you know, Jay-Z vacation rentals is really where I nailed it down to spend the majority of my time. So if I'm giving advice to myself 15 years ago, it'd be to continue to grow slow, stay humble, stay focused. Otherwise, if you don't, then you're going to get humbled. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So guys, I just want to remind you some of the things that I have as great takeaways from this. I love some of the things you've said. Alex, you've said, always do the right thing. Don't get comfortable. Get your guest information, even if you're using OTAs, grow slowly. And surround yourself with a good team. Anybody that's been in business a long time, we know that. Well, thank you very much for being with us. I am 
very excited to share what you said. I think it's really good information and good advice for people who are trying to grow their business. Thanks again for doing that for me. I'm really grateful. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Really appreciate it. This episode of How We Grow was brought to you by Streamline. To find out more about how Streamline can help grow your vacation rental business, visit StreamlineVRS.com. Make sure to search for How We Grow in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the team here at Inhabit, thanks for listening.